from coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Sonic Patel. And I'm Hannah Cunningham. And we'll be your hosts for the next half hour of environmental news and stories. I would like to begin this episode by acknowledging that Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, a campus and community recording studio in Edmonton, Alberta. We are situated on Treaty 6, the historic and present territory of Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, Dene, and many other First Peoples that live and gather here. We do this duty acknowledgement at the start of every episode because our environment is inherently tied to who we are, as a society and as individuals. It shapes who we are and we also shape it. The Indigenous people of Canada have lived here for generations, forming a connection with the land. As you listen to this episode, we hope you think about your relationship to the land, how it shapes you and how you affect the environment. This week, we are bringing you the second half of our two-part series on the Canadian Energy Centre a recently formed corporation funded by the Alberta government seeking to discredit environmental arguments against the Alberta oil and gas industry. Last week, we talked about what the centre is, why it was created, the funding and organization of the centre, and the staff. If you missed part one of this series last week, you can catch up by listening to it on our website, terratinforma.ca, or as a podcast on the Apple Podcast app or Spotify. Let's continue our discussion by talking about the work that the Canadian Energy Centre does and the implications it has for environmental journalism. So what does the Canadian Energy Centre do? They have been operational for just about two months now. The Canadian Energy Centre has a website where they post stories about the benefits of the oil sands industry, including how the oil sands can contribute to reducing carbon emissions, why natural gas is important, because chefs prefer to use flame burners, and about Indigenous support for the Trans Mountain Pipeline. The website also features links to articles from other sources that are supportive of the oil and gas sector, including an Edmonton Journal editorial about the need to develop the Tech Frontier oil sands project. The Centre also produced a YouTube video highlighting the benefits of Canadian energy. Comments and likes on the video are currently disabled, but when the Terranforma team looked at the video a few days after posting, the video had substantially more dislikes than likes. And now the video has been removed. Also included on the website is an energy literacy test, which asks people informative questions like how many jobs the oil and gas sector supports, how much the oil and gas sector contributes to Alberta's gross domestic product, and how many products can be made with oil and gas. Within the first few weeks of operation, the Canadian Energy Centre was struck by controversy when it was discovered that their logo was copied from a software company in the U.S. After contracting Calgary marketing agency Lead & Anchor to develop the logo, the war room was surprised when it was evident that the logo they had received was a recolor of Progress Software Corporation's logo. The centre scrapped the logo at the expense of the marketing agency. The Canadian Energy Centre's logo qualms did not end with this first logo as the center's new logo, announced in the last week of December 2019, is again being criticized as a copy of a United States software company's logos, this time ATK Technologies. The company's logo, which is a red, stylized lowercase letter A made of three lines, has been rotated 90 degrees and has had a maple leaf added to the top right corner to create the new Canadian Energy Center logo. ATK Technologies is considering legal action. In a statement made in January of 2020, 
Olson stated the CEC is planning on keeping the second logo and are in the process of trademarking it. So as of today, January 21st, 2020, the day we're recording this episode, the website does now feature the second logo. Interestingly, both logos were chosen to represent the mandate of the corporation to promote and defend Canada's energy industry, described as national in scope. Somewhat surprising, considering the centre was created and funded by a provincial government. Hannah, what do you think is the reason the War Room is putting Canada front and centre in its title and uh, logo? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it would make sense to try and get all of Canada behind Alberta Energy, um, especially when, yeah, with Alberta seeing itself more and more isolated in conversations around climate change and uh, like responsibility around um, energy extraction, I, yeah, I guess it makes sense to try and rally all of Canada behind you. But it's interesting because in lots of the sort of political discussion around Alberta energy, at least the way I perceive it, there's a really Alberta on its own sort of we're looking after the rest of everybody I sort of attitude. And so that sort of doesn't really mesh for me. Yeah, I think the oil sands um, sector especially has been a major point of contention. And we saw that um, over the last few years with protests in BC to the Trans Mountain expansion, um, protests across the rest of Canada over the Energy East pipeline, um, as well as this just what appears to be a growing um, discourse around the ways that the Canadian government is failing Alberta on one half of the coin, the other half on how Alberta is bringing down Canada's climate action efforts. And so much so that we're seeing a very genuine effort to consider separation. So I think this is a very like deliberate ploy by the Energy Centre to sort of pitch this as, oh, it's good for all Canadians. It's it's mm-hmm. our corporation. It's, you know, we're doing it for the benefit of everybody instead of what it sort of on the surface appears to be, which isn't isn't even just an Alberta, um, a pro-Albertan corporation, but a pro-oil and gas industry specifically corporation. So it, it does sort of feel like a somewhat disingenuous attempt to uh, to, to pitch that scope as national when they're talking about very specific issues. The name Canadian Energy Centre, I've yet to see um, a pro-hydroelectric or wind, which are or nuclear, all of which are pretty substantial energy generators across the country. Mm-hmm. And it's very much focused entirely around the oil sands, which receives quite a bit of support here and maybe in some of the adjacent provinces, but it's, it's clearly quite divisive across the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if the... Canadian Energy Center slash War Room as part of this like fight back strategy that Jason Kenney had. A good idea, I guess, from him as an election strategy, but now in having to follow through with it, realizing that not including the rest of Canada, I guess is what I'm trying to say, would be detrimental, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now this is maybe sort of a their way of sort of bringing it all together yeah. in the end as they're putting it into action. Mm-hmm. We're not the only two that are concerned that the oil and gas sector is making Alberta politically isolated within the nation of Canada. Here is a clip from the conference discussing the same idea. As, as a result of these types of initiatives, these, the, uh, the, the, the fight back strategy that, he, that Mr. Kenny likes to talk about, I mean, I think that one of the results of that, I mean, it's yet to be seen, but my prediction is, is and it, it's worrisome, 
that Alberta becomes more and more politically isolated, especially on the issue of climate change. Is we can see already, we can see the rest of the world, public attitudes are moving in, in a different direction. We have major international banks divesting, pulling their investments out of oil sands operations, out of fossil fuel operations around the world. Um, we have uh, federal government here, but, uh, that, that is, doesn't seem, I mean, they've just been, they want a minority, the Liberals want a minority, form a minority government, but they're sure they're going to move forward on their climate change initiatives because they have the support of, of uh, other parties in, in the House of Commons. Um, so, I mean, one of, the, one of the, the risks that Alberta takes is, I mean, it may be popular and it may be, in, in the short term, it may allow Mr. Kenny to, to win re-election next time and as many times as he wants after that, perhaps. But Alberta risks being isolated within Canada and within the world on the issue of uh, oil and gas, on the issue of climate change, and if we don't take the initiative ourselves, we may have solutions imposed upon us. And I think that's one of the risks and, and could lead to, I mean, could really define uh, this kind of stuff could really lead to um, uh, future de basically definitions of, of Canadian politics and then kind of constitutional wars in the future. Promoting the oil sands is nothing new for the Alberta government. They've been doing it for years, even during the NDP leadership. But in December of 2019, the War Room targeted a specific individual about his environmentalist efforts. Stephen Lee is the creator of the Foundation for Environmental Stewardship and the 3% Project, an initiative to speak to a million students about their future. Lee's talk focuses on climate action, but also includes a wealth of global problems and opportunities the future generations will experience. Stephen Lee started out with over $50,000 in debt and being homeless and has now spoken to nearly 500 schools. The Energy Centre website featured a story about a father that was upset by a presentation his child saw, where he claimed there was a one-sided view of the oil sands. Lee quotes how Canada provides $46 billion a year in fossil fuel subsidies, the War Room questioned these numbers, despite a source being provided in a peer-reviewed paper from the International Monetary Fund working paper. The center also questions the validity of a statement, claiming the fossil fuel industry fueled over half a billion dollars towards climate change denial between 2003 and 2010, claiming the funding came from conservative foundations, not the oil sands industry. The study that provided these figures suggests the industry may have been funding these climate science denial foundations, but does not confirm it. Lee provided a statement to the Edmonton Journal stating that the center's focus on him was intimidating, but that it wouldn't stop his work. The Canadian Energy Center's practices were also critiqued by the president of the Canadian Association of Journalists, who made a statement saying the War Room employees should stop calling themselves journalists. Karen Puglis, president of the association, is referring to the articles on the website, where the center's employees have reached out to sources claiming to be reporters. According to Puglis, journalism must be arm's length from the government and should endeavor to report the truth as fairly and balanced as possible. One of the core roles of journalists is to hold the government accountable. The center's employees are deliberately misreporting their intent by calling themselves journalists when they're actually a PR firm, according to Puglis. But that's not the only scandal about the center's misrepresentation of intention that has emerged in their short weeks of operation. We mentioned earlier one of the articles on the Energy Center's website discusses how natural gas is important for chefs that prefer to cook on a flame burner. Gierkowitz later discussed how he was never told about the War Room's purpose and connection to the provincial government. The featured chef was furious that he was not made aware of the purpose of the Canadian Energy Center, 
and claims he never would have participated in the piece if he was aware about their background and purpose, as the Culinary Federation attempts to stay out of politics. According to Chef Gerkovitz, he was provided a link to the website, which does not reference the reason for the center's creation, their source of funding, or even that their board of directors is comprised of provincial ministers. Other sources interviewed by the centre were not told about its ties to the provincial government. A spokesperson for the Canadian Energy Centre claimed that their use of reporter was appropriate and that they will be telling their writers the need to explain that the centre is funded by the government of Alberta. However, the use of the term reporter and the complete lack of context or history in the About Us section of the Canadian Energy Centre's website reveals the intention of the group to misrepresent themselves as journalists rather than what they are, essentially a government agency created to push a specific idea. There is a disheartening irony in a group that was designed to, quote, combat misinformation that is intentionally hiding information. Another notable issue that arose in the Canadian Energy Centre's first month of operation was in the website's terms of use agreement, stating the Canadian Energy Centre cannot, quote, warrant the accuracy, completeness, or usefulness of this information, end quote. If you recall, the mandate of the Canadian Energy Centre is to address inaccurate information about the extraction industry in Alberta, yet they are willing to acknowledge that their own information may be false. Now, don't get us wrong, a crucial part of science is acknowledging our limitations and what we don't know. And no scientific knowledge is ever complete, as our understanding of the universe is based on challenging and building off what we already know. But this acknowledgement is in complete opposition to the Canadian Energy Centre's goal of being the authority on accurate information in the oil and gas industry. And it makes us question whether the center's goal truly is to provide the most up-to-date scientific findings, or to use inaccurate, incomplete, or useless information to further the narrative the provincial government wants to reclaim. Within the first few months of operation, we have seen a glimmer of the way that the Canadian Energy Center will operate. NDP MLA Irfan Sabir listed 10 errors made by the Canadian Energy Centre in their first month of operation and claims their failures are hurting the credibility of the Alberta resource industry. Whether or not this endeavour will be successful remains to be seen. The Canadian Energy Centre strikes a chord with us, the Terra Informers, as we are environmental journalists. We've talked about this throughout the episodes, but there is significant power in what information is out there and accessible to the public. Mm -hmm. And if this center is successful in their own mandate of changing the public discourse around the environmental harm to the oil sands, this is a big challenge to environmental efforts to reduce our fossil fuel emissions, many of which come from that sector, and to repair and restore the ecosystems that have been damaged by the extraction industry. The whole base of the Canadian Energy Centre in this need to fight this anti-oil sands conspiracy, like that's a pretty big Mm -hmm. attack on lots of different environmental groups or just people who are concerned about the environmental footprint of Alberta's energy sector. I think that it's, it's extremely divisive and I think that it's going to, it's already created a lot of pushback. It's going to be hard for a lot of things to move forward and get done, I think, from either side, I guess, trying to mm-hmm. push forward and oppose the other side. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about... No, I, I agree with that. And I think it ties into um, what the purpose of this conference that we attended was, which was to discuss this idea of populism 
And what's somewhat happening with this endeavor and the uh, public inquiry into oil sands opposition is an attempt to not deal with the points that are being made by the opposing side, but to just try and invalidate them by claiming that they're part of a conspiracy or they're they're foreign funded, so they're not valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what I would really love to see and what I hope the discourse becomes is legitimate arguments about the environmental benefic- benefits or um, failures of the oil sands industry. And yeah, I think that's part of my big issue with the center and this whole sort of anti-oil sands conspiracy is that it challenges that discourse from happening by essentially trying to invalidate arguments before dealing with them substantially. Mm-hmm. And even if a bulk of environmental efforts were, were American-funded, does that negate their validity? I'd love to see a challenge to, to that, to say that like, well, and you know, part of the part of media and energy center is doing that to say that like, our oil sense industry are making efforts to, to be better. And I think that is a very valid response to environmental critiques. And that's what I would like to see more of, you know, whether or not I agree with those, I think is beyond the point, but that's at least a discussion that's worth having mm-hmm. is, you know, around those trade-offs. So I think, trying to discredit a group is just challenges that discourse from happening and pitching it as a foreign threat is such a dystopian like idea. Yeah. One of the things that I think it was Dave Klumenhaga brought up at the conference was that one of the, a characteristic of sort of a populist government is to, if there's not a crisis, create one. So this creating a crisis, creating this conspiracy to do just like you said, to, yeah, force that sort of heavy hand where we could be having those valuable discussions and I think moving forward. And to clarify, this this piece isn't a, a commentary on either of our parts about the oil and gas industry. I think we have separate ideas about that. I think they're probably revealed throughout the talk, but I think they're sort of irrelevant to what these episodes are about, which is environmental journalism and the specific endeavor to sort of use that to masquerade a, a specific interest. Mm-hmm. And so, I, like we've just been talking about, I think there's a lot of valid um, discussions to be had about the future of the oil science industry, whether we should be dismantling it, whether we should be um, tampering it down, whether we should be increasing it to, in response to um, steady global demand, I think are all arguments for a different day and all potentially valid um, and invalid critiques. but. I don't think they're going to be very accurately reported in the Canadian Energy Center based off of what we've seen so far and what their mandate is and that the the way the UCP seems to want to have discussions which is you know pitching the oil and gas industry as essential to Alberta and a critical part of our economy and environmentally friendly and saying anyone who opposes that um is is part of this conspiracy effort and is a foreign element that's trying to trying to dismantle Alberta from the inside Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the sort of final question I have is, you know, as someone who's attended a number of climate strikes and marches, where is my check? It should have <laughs> arrived already, and it hasn't, and I need that money. <laughs> if the Rockefeller family is listening, and I know they are, because we send this directly to them for their approval before we put it on the air. Um, I, did you lose my address? What happened here? Please. We need the money. (laughs) (laughs) 
I guess maybe a point for us as environmental journalists and also as environmental researchers, how do we feel? We saw an example of sort of Stephen Lee being feeling intimidated by this focus on him. Um, listeners will hear a couple of episodes in the next few months about uh, specific oil and gas industry-related issues. Are we sort of concerned that the government is taking this like anti-environmentalist stance through the creation of this corporation? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I feel like personally threatened. I do feel like very concerned for lots of the like say smaller independent media outlets that I think are doing great reporting that I think are going to be increasingly important to have them around to also pay attention to to not just reading what the Canadian Energy Center puts out or potentially uh, post media I worry especially with all of the the various funding cuts happening in Alberta I think that lots of different environment leaning organizations are going to be targeted I, I almost feel like there is this lingering threat of the energy center sort of going after a person or organization specifically rather than challenging those ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, to be honest, there is a lot of like concern and harm that can happen from the internet with things like, like doxing that mm. are real security concern. I think there is like a, like a lingering threat that if you speak out of environmentalism, the government will call you out on it regardless of sort of accuracy and, I think that can lead to not necessarily the Energy Center or the UCP, but a certain group of the public mm-hmm. to, to do potentially harmful things. I am like concerned that they, like you said, they'll go after smaller corporations that don't have the ability to respond. Yeah, props to Stephen Lee for continuing to do his work, even though he did, um, he did receive that specific focus. And to be honest, like I've seen a lot of really vitriolic comments on things like Edmonton, Edmonton Journal um, comment boards about him and his work. And so, yeah, for, for young environmentalists out there, I hope that you find the courage to like rise above that. But like, definitely, it's definitely concerning that the provincial government is comfortable using these kind of tactics. Yeah, that's true. And that is scary. Like even going out and attending more climate marches in the past couple of years when I feel like there has been an increasing amount of divisive thoughts around things like climate marches, environmentalism. Like it can be scary for a young environmentalist to think like, am I, is there going to be a counter protest or yeah, now if I say something and someone retweets me on Twitter, it's going to get out to this wide group and people can do scary things with the internet. So yeah, you're right. That is a, that's a, scary part of it. You know, this is a background of ideas and it shouldn't be laced with this like concerns of physical or online threat. Yeah. Um, It should very much be about, you know, research and science and arguments like that. Maybe this leads into the kind of last question that I wanted to talk about, which is, do you think the Canadian Energy Centre will be effective in its mandate? Like the resources and the people are there that I think they could be. Whether people allow it, I think is more my question of like how far they'll be able to push it into 
how completely they want to control the story of Canada's energy sector. I feel like, I'm not sure, at least personally, I feel like almost in a way, at least this has sort of started in a time where we, at least from my perspective, do have a lot more citizen engagement with politics and what's going on right now, um, more than I've at least seen, like when I was younger. I mean, we, we talked about how sort of the different scandals and um, it's taken them a little bit to get rolling. So whether they'll kind of find their footing and shape things up a little bit, I'm not exactly sure. My worry with the Canadian Energy Centre is not that it'll be effective in convincing people that the oil sense industry is um, environmentally friendly or environmentalism arguments aren't well founded, but that it'll reinforce that idea to a certain number mm. of Albertans and that to other ones it'll sort of they'll acknowledge the kind of bias behind them and they'll completely discredit them as a new source. And I think that's concerning because it's just part of this ongoing polarization of these ideas that I think we're seeing, you know, not just in Alberta, but in Canada and the rest of the world that sort of if you're right wing, you're right wing. And if you're left wing, you're left wing. And those mm-hmm. ideas are so opposed. And if you're right wing, you follow right wing news that confirms your right wing ideas. Mm-hmm. And if you're left wing, you follow left wing news that confirms your left wing ideas. Mm-hmm. And I've already started to like see that a little bit, I think, um, looking at like responses on uh, very left-wing social media, like the Edmonton subreddit, um, the response to the Energy Center is very much negative. And then looking at like the Facebook comments on Edmonton Journal websites, the response is very much positive. And I think that's really like reflective of two very distinct groups. And I think that's a greater part of the concern is that people are just consuming media that confirms their biases. They're becoming more entrenched in what they believe. And they're refusing to let themselves be open to other ideas. And, you know, that's generally challenging from the evolution of, of a society or a community that they are sort of so inert and unwilling to, to change. And especially in the context of the climate crisis, where we don't particularly have time for inertia anymore. Mm-hmm. We need to start putting in climate action. We need to start introducing more renewables. And we don't have time to wait for a generation turnover to occur Mm -hmm. and yeah so part of my concern was the center is that it sort of symbolizes this split in the media of pandering to specific interests because they think that's going to bump their readership and generally from people who are sort of less willing to see what the other side has to say and to judge them critically on ideas rather than on outside things like like personality or or funder this is the first episode of terraforma as we try and change up our style a little bit so we're hoping to do a couple more of these deeper dives into a specific topic then maybe range over a couple of episodes and including a lot more discussion. So um, if you have any opinions on the kind of work we're doing or anything to say, please contact us and let us know how you feel and engage with us on social media. So thanks for tuning in. And that is all the time we have for this week. 
Terraforma is entirely volunteer run and we survive because of generous donations to our host studio, CJSR 88.5 FM. Consider a donation to your local radio station to help keep stories like this on the air. I've been your host, Sonic Patel, joined by Hannah Cunningham. Thanks for tuning in. Catch us next week, right here on Terra Informa. And thanks, uh, Sonic, for putting in so much work into this episode. And thanks, me, for putting in so much work into this episode. (laughs) I showed up to talk about it. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.